All right, Psalms 107, starting with verse 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness, such as set in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and condemned the counsel of the Most High, Therefore he brought down their heart with labor, and they fell down, and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and break their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he hath broken the gates of brass, and cut the bars of iron in sunder. And now Acts chapter 12, starting with verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unliving bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter, that should read Passover, by the way, uh, to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell from off his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out, and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. Now when Peter was come to himself, he said, now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto him how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go show these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. I need your prayers today. I've been thinking about this several days this week. And we read that in the book of Psalms. And that had to do with 
uh, uh, captivity that God's people had one day found themselves in. And, 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 and it says they were rightfully so in captivity because they had condemned the counsel of the Most High. And so they were, uh, they were taken captive and, and had a hard time in Babylon and Assyria and different places. And they were looking for somebody to deliver them out of their distress. And, and then they called on the name of the Lord and it said He brought them out and broke their bars asunder. I've thought about this this week as we talked about it in Sunday school and I told Brother Joe that it was a prelude really to this. Uh, this was a time in the book of Acts where, where the church was early. It was in its infant stages and she was, uh, uh, she was having great success and because of that success, uh, people were being saved. Not only we saw at Pentecost uh, where Peter stood up and preached and 3,000 were saved. A, a few, uh, few uh, weeks probably later, 5,000 were saved and they would join the church. And, and because of the great success that the church was having, uh, there, there started to be persecution. And, 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 and that's the way it is even today. Satan will come after God's people time and time again and try to stamp out the gospel. But he's never done it yet. He'll never do it till the Lord comes back there will be faith at some place upon this earth. And so, but as the church was having success after success, a young man by the name of Paul, of Saul of Tarsus, uh, grew up and, and he was a Pharisee and he began to wreak havoc, I think is the way he describes it, uh, in the church of the living God. And, and he was hailing men and women off to prison on a daily basis, it seems. Uh, and, and he was making a, a such, a, a such a havoc that the church uh, began to spread out. And when they spread out, the gospel then found its way through Peter unto the Gentiles of a man named Cornelius. And so the more that Satan persecutes the church, the more the true church of the living God begins to grow. Every once in a while, there is a purging, and that's what happens here. But, but I've told you this before, Satan doesn't understand the, the, the true born-again believer. He doesn't understand what the Spirit of God, he doesn't understand the change that has taken place and we'd sooner uh, die than is to not serve God. That's, that's the true born-again believer. But at any rate, Paul was wreaking havoc in the church and until there came a day on the road to Damascus that, uh, that the one that he persecuted got hold of him and saved Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus and then he became the great Apostle Paul. Uh, and much of the book of Acts deals with the Apostle Paul. Uh, but the first part of it deals with Peter. Uh, but we have, uh, we have in the chapters leading up to this uh, one of the first martyrs by the man uh, named Stephen who was one of the first deacons and, and I believe also uh, preached at least one sermon that the Apostle Paul heard. And I believe that as Stephen preached that, uh, what he did as they were stoning him and gnashing on him with their teeth, uh, Stephen even went back in the Old Testament from the days of Abraham to Moses all the way down into the man named Jesus Christ and he began to preach unto them and I believe God was able to use that and get, uh, get into a conviction with, with a Saul of Tarsus and, and so Saul got saved and became the Apostle Paul and that was a, a, a Paul had a previously persecuted the church out of a place of, of religious persecution and, and lots of persecution 
persecution that happens to Christians today uh, are of a religious type of persecution. Uh, but then there are those like Herod. Uh, this Herod was, uh, uh, was uh, uh, the, the, the grandson of the Herod that was alive when Jesus was born. Uh, that was Herod, uh, uh, Herod the Great uh, when Jesus was born and tried to kill him as a baby. Uh, later on, another Herod, uh, Herod Antipas, killed John the Baptist. And, and this is his, uh, the, the first Herod's grandson, uh, the way I understand Herod Agrippa I uh, and Herod Agrippa II, his son, Paul would stand before later on at a later time. Uh, but this persecution was not, uh, was not religious. This persecution was purely political. Uh, because he uh, took James, the first part of this says, and keep in mind this early church, they had just lost Stephen. They had just lost uh, what we consider one of the first deacons. And they were probably reeling a little bit because of that. Uh, and now all of a sudden persecution has found its way into the trail into those inner people, even amongst those, uh, among everywhere that Jesus went with the twelve, uh, he seemed to take Peter, James, and John with him. In a lot of places, the other nine didn't accompany him. Uh, so this James that was killed uh, by Herod uh, in this first part of this chapter 12 of Acts, uh, this was that same Apostle James. And so now the, uh, the early church has lost its first deacon, and uh, now the early church has lost uh, the first apostle to martyrdom uh, one of the first one that he actually ever called uh, was James uh, and James accompanied him everywhere and so the church was rocking and reeling at this point and then uh, when Herod saw that it pleased the Jews uh, that he had killed James he thought what the best thing to do now is continue on uh, so it would uh, puff him up in political power uh, with those wicked Jews and so he took Peter uh, but because it was the time of Passover, he couldn't execute Peter lest there would be an uproar. So he simply put Peter in prison. But Herod had no doubt heard the stories of Peter and John had already escaped from prison. Read Acts chapter number 5. They had already shut this same Peter up in perhaps the same prison. And the scripture says in the middle of the night, an angel came into that prison, opened up the doors, drew Peter and John out and found them the next morning standing in the temple uh, preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Uh, so what could Herod do except he would make it sure uh, that that would not happen under his watch. Uh, it would not happen this time. Uh, he would not be made a mockery of uh, uh, the way the other jailer was. Uh, so Herod at this time put Peter in the prison intending after the Passover uh, to kill Peter just as he had killed James. And I don't know, the Passover feast lasted about seven days. And so we can imagine Peter was shut up about seven days. But the Scripture says, you know what? You know what? The world don't understand what Herod didn't understand, what governments don't understand, what Satan don't understand is when Peter was shut up
shut up in prison. The scripture says the church of the living God was praying day and night without ceasing for Peter. No doubt they had prayed for James. But I think he probably took James and executed James rather quickly. But now seven days you give a church, you give, let me rephrase that, you give a praying people seven days time and you see what kind of mountains can be moved with the power of prayer and faith. And so the scripture says the church was gathered together. I did some research into that Greek word they used there. It meant fervently praying. And if you break that fervent word down, you know what it meant? It said if you would liken it unto somebody just stretching out for something with everything they had. I mean stretching with all their power and all their might and reaching unto God and reaching forth. I want to tell you something today. Elephant Missionary Baptist Church. We've watched these all. We've watched our lost come to the altar. I would to God today that the church of the living God would fervently pray and stretch out everything you've got toward the living God. And I believe when we do that, He'll send deliverance down. I truly do. And when Zion prevailed, she brought forth her children. And so today, I pray as we're going through this service, that you and your inner peace and your inner mind and your inner strength would stretch out with everything you got to the one that saved you. And because there are others under the sound of my voice right now, lost and separated from God. And they're lost and undone. And they need to be saved. And I believe with everything within me that there would be no deliverance of Peter that night except the church had been praying. And so the prayers, you realize today that the prayers of God's people, there's not a Herod, there's not a king, there's not a president, there's not a province, there's not a nation that can stop the power of the Holy Ghost of God. Can't do it. Can't do it. And so these these little band of men and women were gathered together in the house supposedly of Mary, the mother of John Mark. And the Bible says that Peter, knowing he was fixing to be executed, was found sleeping. Isn't that good? The Psalms letter, I believe it's in 127, somewhere along in there, it says, The Lord giveth to his beloved sleep. Peter knew he was a dead man. Peter knew he was going to be executed and Peter was sound asleep. What would you be doing if that's me? I'd have been fretting. I'd have been worried. I'd have been everything. But Peter went to sleep that night like he had every night before it as we just sang the song. He knew that soon he'd close his eyes here and he'd wake up there. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So Peter was sound asleep. But the scripture says, and I truly believe, it's because the church was praying fervently. Remember that word, reaching out with everything they had, stretching forth to the one who saved them. They wanted Peter to be spared. They had just lost Stephen. They had just lost James. They couldn't withstand the loss of Peter in their heart of hearts. Peter was the one. Peter had a lot of faults, people think, but Peter was bold. Peter was the one who stood up and preached at Pentecost. Peter was the one that walked on water. Peter was the one that said, I'll go with you even under death. Peter was a bold man. The church needed Peter. 
They knew that. They knew that. And so they prayed fervently that God would spare Peter or save Peter. At the very least, they were praying that God would comfort Peter, I guess. But I believe they were praying for a miracle. I'm glad they still happen today. I'm glad I still serve a God of miracles today. But you know what the greater miracle is? Not that what happened to Peter. The greatest miracle is that God would come to where lost sinners are, uh, bound in sin and chained in iniquity, and loose them from the power of sin. That's the greatest miracle. And we're going to use this as an allegory. I want to try to preach to you what was become of Peter. I've read that this week and I, I just thought, what was become of Peter? Now remember, Herod wasn't going to be made a mockery of. He wasn't going to let what happened in Acts chapter 5 happen to him. He took every precaution. There were at least ten things that stood between Peter and the outside world. Uh, Peter was kept by sixteen soldiers. And they took it in shifts of four. Uh, two was chained on Peter at all times. He had a chain on his left hand tied to a jailer's right hand. And a chain on his right hand chained to a jailer's left hand. There were two chains. There was the door of the cell. Uh, there were two guards outside the prison. Uh, there were the first, second, at least first and second wards. And then, if he somehow made it through all of that, there was a great iron gate. Can I say to you, let's just stop right there. A lot of people worry about that iron gate. What is that iron gate in your life? Now, that iron gate is what keeps you from enjoying the things that God wants you to have. That iron gate has shut many people in. How that iron gate has silenced many Christians. How do I get up and tell my testimony? How do I join the church? You're always worried about that iron gate. Could I say to you today, I just begin to walk and when you get to that gate, God will open that great iron gate. That's what he did with Peter. Now, Peter was locked up. At least ten things kept him from getting out. But the scripture says that night Peter had a lot of things going against him. He was in prison, an impenetrable prison. He was surrounded by 16 guards. There was the door, as we said, there were the chains, and then there was the iron gate. But above all of that, it was dark. Peter was in complete darkness. For the scripture says when the angel came in, he had to shine a light in that prison. Could I say to you today, uh, you that have grown up in the house of God and those that may have not ever darkened the doorsteps of the church of the living God are equally blinded or, or in the darkness of this life, in the darkness of sin. Uh, we as the church of the living God have held up before their eyes and before their soul uh, the light of the glorious gospel and they still cannot see the danger that they're in. Uh, you that are lost today and separated, you don't understand. You are just one breath away. Uh, David said it best one time in the Old Testament. He said, I realize there's just one step between me and death. Uh, just one step. Uh, you are just one breath away from dying lost, uh, dying separated. Uh, my friend, you understand, especially those that have grown up in this way, you understand what that means. You understand dying lost. You understand the separate, uh, the separateness from God. You understand that hell is much like that prison. There's no light there uh, because there's no God there. And when there's no God, there's no light. 
for he is alive. And the scripture says men are thrust and cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. You've got that going against you because your eyes have never been opened. I pray that sometime during this service, what happens to Peter happens to you. For after the angel shone the light in, you know what the scripture said? Peter was still asleep. And the light of the gospel has been preached to some of you over and over and over again. And you are still asleep in darkness. So what did the angel do? And the angel smote Peter on the side. I believe it was probably a kind of a hard strike. But it was one done out of love. I pray that, that somehow or another, before this service is over, that God would send the Holy Spirit into these pews. That He would just walk up and down them and begin to walk in and out of the aisles and in and out of the pews and begin to strike and to smite some lost sinner. That has to happen. There has to be a moment that you awaken to that fact. There has to be a moment that you realize you are lost. And the only way I can't do that, I can preach hell hot. I can preach damnation. I can preach the judgment of God. And my preaching will fall on deaf ears except the Holy Ghost takes that and drives an arrow right into somebody's heart. That's the way it works. And that's the way I've, I've known of people being smoked by a sermon. I've noticed people being smoked in their side and in their heart by a testimony. I've noticed it happen because of a song. You see, it doesn't matter how it happens. It has to happen. God has to let you know that Peter, uh, that Peter was sound asleep and he was in darkness. Some of you are sound asleep and you will not wake up. And one of these days, you are going to sleep your way into hell. Sleep right through it. And on that day, you'll be fully awake. But it'll be too late. Peter needed out of prison. The scripture says it was the very night. The last night. Yeah, I mean, it was down to the wire. And Peter was still shut up. I don't know how much longer this world is going to stand. I know it's wicked. I know it's getting more wicked every day. I know that when we start playing God, how when we start dictating to little children and manipulating little children, how that's, about as, how that's about as cold and callous as you can get telling little girls they can be little boys. I'm telling you everything with that is an affront to God Almighty. Amen. What you're really saying is that God made a mistake with your gender. He didn't know such thing. Amen. I'm telling you, the church of Laodicea, that word Laodicea means the rights of the people or the people's rights. And we are literally in that church shaking our fists at God and saying we have a right to live as we please. That's what we're saying. I don't know how much longer the world's going to stand. I don't know how much longer your life is going to be. I do know this. The scripture declares that God has already set the bounds of our habitation. You know what that means? It means that no matter how much money you got, no matter how good a health you're in, no matter how good your doctor is, no matter how brilliant you are, uh, no matter what anything you might amass, uh, when the bound of your habitation is reached, you will not set one foot past them. Not one. The bound of your habitation has been set. And the judgment has been set. And the books have been opened. So Peter had a lot of going against him. But when that angel smote him on the side, 
and said, Peter, you need to get out of here. You need to rise up quickly. I'm telling you, uh, when the Holy Spirit reveals to you you're lost, uh, you've got two choices. Peter could have laid there. He could have laid there until the guards came and dragged him out and he died, or he could have done what he was told to do. That's your choice today. Uh, but I'll say this. That angel said, you better do it now. You better do it quick. Uh, because this, 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 this time of grace will not always be here. The time of grace, the door is going to shut one day. And he said, rise up quickly. And he said this. He said, put on your coat. Put on your garment. Put on your shoes. I'm taking you out of here. I thought about how Jesus Reading and quoting in Isaiah 61 and 1, when Jesus started His ministry, He opened up the Scriptures unto Isaiah 61 1. He stood in the synagogue and He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon Me. And He has anointed Me to preach the Gospel to the poor. And I'm paraphrasing. But He says to bind up those that are broken hearted. But then He said to preach deliverance to the captive and to open the prisons of them that are bound. And He said this day is the Scripture fulfilled in your ears. And He closed the book and He sat down. I want you to understand today, a lost sinner, you've got hope. You're not yet without hope. I mean, you're alive and you're breathing. There is hope. And the greatest hope I can give you today is that He is the breaker of chains to them that are bound. And if you are bound in sin, there's not a worse prison that you could be in. Bound in sin and in darkness. But he said, Peter, if you want to get out of here, you better get up and you better follow me. And Peter did exactly what he was told. And Peter went past. He, those chains fell off. His, no man has the power to break those chains. If you're lost, I don't care what you think you can do or what you think you have to do, but you cannot break those chains. But there is one that can Cast yourself at His mercy. He is the breaker of those chains. And those chains fell off His hands. And Peter somehow went through the door. Remember, Herod said that that'll never happen again. Not on my watch. Well, Peter remembered, no doubt. He walked past. He walked past those four soldiers. He walked past the first guard and the second strong tower. And then he came to that great iron gate. And when he got there, he had probably already thought, "How am I going to get through that?" I want you to understand today that you may, I don't remember. I don't remember what all I said at the altar. I remember sitting in my pew and it seemed like a great iron gate. It seemed like it was shut up against me. It seemed like glory was on the other side of that great iron gate. And it was. And it still is today. But I was on the outside. I couldn't get out. That great iron gate had shut me in. But I determined within myself that night just like Peter, when that Holy Spirit smote me in the side, smote me right in the heart, I had two choices. That great iron gate that was up here, and all I can remember really is taking that first step out of my pew. And that may have been the hardest step I ever took in my life because I understood what that meant. I understood what came with that step. I understood I was making my way toward that iron gate. I understood I was lost and I couldn't save myself. I understood there was only one thing I could do to walk toward that gate. And I did. 
The scripture says when Peter got there, all of those worries just went away. He said the gate just opened on its own. I want you to understand, sinner, that God will open that gate. I want you to understand, church member, whatever that iron gate is that's standing in your way, that think I cannot get through that gate. You've worried about it for months. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's your health. Whatever it is, that great iron gate stands there mocking you. But you keep walking, you keep serving, you keep praying, a sinner friend. There's nothing else you can do. You keep on till you get through the gate. Amen. Now remember what the Scripture said. Remember what Jesus said. He said, I am the gate and I am the door. He will open for you. He will open for you. He will open. He is that door. He will allow you entrance. Whatever's standing in your way, you've got to get through the gate. And so Peter got there, and that gate simply just opened. And then Peter said he'd come to himself. He thought the whole time it was a vision. But you know what he said? When that great iron gate opened, he walked out of that prison, and he was on a completely different street. You know what I felt? When God saved my soul, I walked out of that prison. I was on a different road. I was on a different path. I was now on the streets paved with gold. I was on a new path. And Peter said, you know what? I thought it was a vision. Satan will try. Maybe some of you have been saved. I'm not coercing you. I wouldn't dare tell you that. I'm not able to tell you that. But I do know this. I do know what Satan's wiles are. And I'm not ignorant of that. He's tried to convince me for 30 years. What happened to me really didn't happen. Like Peter. Thought it was just all in your imagination. But you know what Peter said? When he saw the path he was on. When he looked back at that iron gate. And when he looked back at that prison. And then he looked where he was standing now. On a different street. On a different path. He was free. And you know what he said? Now I know it was no vision. Perfect clarity. I had no doubts that that night on that altar as I was coming up, actually, I passed from death unto life. I have no doubts. No doubts. But I know that Satan can get in your head and make you think it never happened. Look around you. Are you on a different street or a different path? Have you been led through that iron gate? I can't answer that for you. But Peter said, now I know. And he said, what do I need to do? Before he escaped, before he left, now remember, as soon as Herod's men found out, they were going to come after him. He had made Herod look like a fool. He had made those soldiers look like a fool. They'd be coming after him. Because their life was on the line. I didn't read that verse. But those soldiers that were on duty, Herod killed them, and then God killed Herod. But they were coming after Peter. Peter said, I've got to do one thing first. I've got to go find this place. I've got to go find the church. I've got to go tell somebody that I'm alive. Sinner friend, or saved friend rather, if you've been saved, you've got to tell somebody. They're worried about you. They were worried about Peter. And Peter said, before I escape, I've got to let them know I'm okay. And he went there. 
And he knocked at that door. And the church was still praying. And a little slave girl named Rhoda went to that gate. Or went to the door. She knew Peter's voice. It was dark. But she said, I know that voice. It's a voice that I'm acquainted with. It's a voice that I'm familiar with. And she, for gladness, left him outside and ran back in and said, you're not going to believe this. Peter is standing at the gate. And being a Baptist, probably a Baptist church, they didn't believe that the very God they were praying to had answered the very prayer they were praying for. We are so full of unbelief. So full of unbelief. I mean, the church needs to believe that God will deliver our lost. Would we stretch forth fervently with everything that stretches far as we can stretch? We need to believe that God will hear and answer prayer and send forth His Spirit and smite them on the side, wake them up out of their sleep and bring them out of sin and darkness and bondage and into a new day. And so they said, you're mistaken. That's His angel. That's a ghost. They believed in that time that the guardian angels, as they believed, could take upon the form of the one that they guarded, I guess. And they said, that's not Peter, that's a spirit, that's an angel. And Peter still kept knocking. And she said, I'm telling you, I know that voice. And that is Peter. And they went to the door. And they let Peter in. And he came in. And they rejoiced. And he held up his hand. And he beckoned unto them. And he said, I got something to say. And he told them the story of his wounds. Isn't that a beautiful picture? When a sinner comes off of their altar and is changed and is finally free and the shackles that once held them bound in darkness has finally been off and they finally made their way and that iron gate is open and they look at the church and they look at their family and say, I want to tell you what happened to me. That's a beautiful thing. And then Peter left. He only shows up one more time briefly in Acts chapter 15 at a council. And then he wrote his epistles and the focus sort of shifts to Paul. But Herod, before God killed him, was angry. And he said, what has become of Peter? Well, that's the question, isn't it? That's the question that has been asked for thousands of years. When there was a man possessed with so many demons, they called themselves legion. What happened to legion? The people knew legion. They knew him because they had tried to bind him and he broke every chain they had bound him with. They knew Legion. He didn't wear any clothes. He was naked all the time. And no man could tame Legion. He made his home. He had a family. But he left them demon-possessed and demon-crazy. He lived in the tombs. He walked among the gravestones. He lived in a graveyard naked. People knew Legion. But when Jesus of Nazareth came, and he, he looked at that man, and he said, I command you, come out of him. And what happened to Legion? Well, the next time you see Legion, he was a different person. He was sitting, and he was clothed, 
and in his right mind, and he was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Saul of Tarsus, how when God saved him, the apostles were terrified because they knew his reputation. They had never met him, but they knew, and Ananias said, Lord, we have heard of many that he persecutes this way, this way that he binds men and women, hailing them off to prison, and even unto death he murders those who believe in you. What happened to Saul of Tarsus? Well, God saved him. And when Ananias found him, that same man was praying. And so I've had a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying his hands on me. And Ananias said, Brother Saul. I like that, don't you? Brother Saul. And he, was, he was already saved. We talked about that in Sunday school. Some people say he wasn't saved until that. I believe he is saved already. Ananias called him brother. That's good enough for me. Brother Saul, he said, receive your sight. And that man was baptized. And you read in Galatians chapter 1, and you read that the apostles were scared, and nobody stood with him. Nobody, nobody stood with him. But they said, How? He is now preaching the faith that he once destroyed. Many people that have got saved down through the years, they're acquainted to say, What's become of them? They're not out drinking with us no more. They're not out partying with us no more. They're not out drugging with us no more. They're not out listening and watching and, and partaking of all these things of the flesh. What has become of them? Jesus Christ become of them. He's made them a new creature. I don't know about you, but that night, that even though it was said in Sunday school, even though I was small, I was just a child, there was a great profound change that took place. What was become of Benji that night? Benji got saved. Benji wasn't reformed. I died and was buried and rose again to the newness of life. Born again, a completely new creature. Not a mere change and reform. Not, not, not giving up this vice and that vice. It's a complete change. What's become of Peter? I don't think Satan, we give Satan too much credit sometimes. We give him too much power. Some, Satan is not all knowing. Satan can't see into the future, I don't think. God can. But I think Satan had an inkling that Peter had already, had already been the reason and Peter's preaching had already been the reason at least 8,000 have been saved because of Peter's preaching. I don't think the devil could see into the future and what Peter could do, but I think Satan was tired of losing his people under the preaching of Peter. And he came after Peter. And God preserved Peter. And God's preserved his own down through the history of time. And he's preserved us until this time. He is the breaker of chains. What's become of Peter? Thousands upon thousands, millions have been saved and left Satan wondering what's happened. Herod didn't know where's he at. I can't find. How did this happen? We had him. Oh, Satan has you right now. Once God sends deliverance, he'll ask the same thing of you. What's happened to this 
girl. What's happened to this boy? I had them bound in sin. There was no way they could get out. But God does what God does. God sends His Spirit. And He smokes somebody on the side. And He says, you better get out of here. And I'll take you to safety. You'll walk out of that prison. And you'll walk on new streets. And there'll come a day you'll walk no more on this street. But you'll lay your life down. And you'll walk on the streets paved with pure gold. As transparent glass. And the world will ask what's happened to us. Like they did Elijah. What's happened to Elijah? Elisha sent for him. We want to know. And Elisha said, You're not going to find my master. God has taken him with a chariot of fire. He's gone. When God claims his church, I don't know how to be something. He'll claim it and we'll go and there'll be others left behind. I have no idea. But if that happens, no doubt people will be wondering what's happened. People wonder what's happened to their loved ones. What's become of them? They're dead. But they're not dead. They're alive. They're alive. Are you alive today? Are you sound asleep? I would to God He'd wake you up. I don't really care how strong of a smiting blow He has to lay on you. Preacher, that's harsh. No, it's not. Because it's a strike of love. He's trying to deliver you today. Would you come? Would you be like Peter and just come when He smites you? He'll deliver you today. Come ahead with a song of invitation. Anybody today that's lost and undone, today's the day God can and will break those chains. That iron gate, when you get to it, it'll open of its own accord. God opened that door and Peter walked out. God bless you.